Hello, I'm Henry. And I'm Trey. And welcome to Marvelous, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Where we go through and talk about every entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe by order of release date. And today we are going to start with Iron Man 2. The first sequel of any Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. So the first thing that we do whenever we're talking about a movie is we go to the wonderful site IMDb to judge its quick summary to see if it does a good job. So for Iron Man 2, its summary is, With the world now aware of his identity as Iron Man, Tony Stark must contend with both his declining health and a vengeful madman with ties to his father's legacy. So how do you think that does? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty decent. It kind of just doesn't talk about anything with Justin Hammer at all, though. It only talks about Ivan. So it's a little weird, in my opinion. I mean, my synopsis would be Tony is an asshole to everyone because he thinks he's dying. And also he's getting attacked and the government wants his property. So, <laughs> but, yeah, that that would probably be a little bit better. I, I definitely can agree with you on that. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I think theirs is like more eloquently put. I don't think Justin Hammer's that important. I agree. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I guess it's the, the toned-down synopsis of the movie. Yes. But it's accurate enough, I suppose. And then context-wise, for anyone who's just tuning into this movie, we've just gotten word that Tony Stark is Iron Man from the end of the first movie after he built himself in artificial heart to keep himself alive. It's not an artificial heart. The arc reactor powers a battery that stops metal shards from going into its heart. Words are hard. I couldn't think of what it's I was okay. saying. It's okay. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> um, so yeah, what Henry said, and now it's killing him in this movie, but we'll get to that. Yes. So Trey, what did you first think when you saw this film? The first time I saw this movie, well, I don't remember the very first time, but the first time upon getting into the MCU, I thought it was really bad and really boring and did not like it. What about you? <laughs> So, I remember I liked it enough because it was an Iron Man movie and I love Iron Man, but it definitely had a lot of flaws and flaws that aren't forgivable, like the few flaws that were in Iron Man 1. Just things that really took me out of the movie and I didn't enjoy. But it has some moments that I really liked. Fair enough. And has that changed at all now? You know, rewatching it now, it was kind of good to see it without all the context and baggage that it had back then. Because they were really, really, really trying to set up the Avengers with this movie. The plots, I don't think is very strong. But there are a lot of things that I thought were pretty cool. Like, I realized, having gone back, that the combat in this movie is way better than in Iron Man 1. And that was cool to see. I guess so. <laughs> they just... This movie wanted to be cool. Like, the mobile Iron Man suit... Iron Man and War Machine fighting hordes of robots. It's just trying to be cool, and I can appreciate that somewhat, since Iron Man 1 didn't have that much cool, like, Iron Man versus Iron Man battle. The final battle in Iron Man wasn't amazing. I can see what you are saying, though I do not appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I love this movie, I'm just trying to talk about its strengths. How about you? Have your opinions changed at all? Well, before we go to me, what do you mean by context and baggage surrounding it, like, without having that? Uh, with Avengers? Well, you said seeing it this time without the context and the baggage. Oh, I mean, so for one, this was the follow-up to Iron Man, which was such a hyped-up amazing movie, so it was disappointing as a sequel, and it was also trying to push Avengers super hard. 
So now that Iron Man's whole trilogy is over, we've already had two Avengers movies, it was just easier to see this movie as just itself and not all the weight that it had and all the expectations that people had. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just felt like I saw it from a much blanker perspective. I agree with you there. Okay, so my thoughts on it now, basically not as bad as the first time I watched it. It's not a terrible movie. It's not even as bad as The Hulk, I think, but I also don't like it. So (laughs) (laughs) I think they have a lot or they try to shove a lot of different things into this movie and they don't deliver on any of them particularly well. Fair enough. So with that, shall we launch into the movie discussion? Yeah, definitely. All right. So I guess really quick, I just wanted to say, I think this movie had the earliest Stan Lee cameo of any Marvel movie. It was early, yeah. It was also really short. Yeah. And like, if you didn't know that was Stan Lee, I don't know. It's like, he's not noticeable at all. (laughs) Yeah, I just thought it was worth pointing out before we got into deeper discussion. But I feel like one thing we should mention, as far as the timeline of the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes, this movie takes place six months after Iron Man 1. It doesn't take place two years later, so even though Iron Man 1 came out in 2008 and Iron Man 2 came out in 2010, the movies are six months apart. And since this is Fury's big week when all of the first phase happens aside from Iron Man, that means they all take place six months after the first Iron Man. Yep, including Hulk and Thor. And I say Thor because during the movie, Coulson is called off to go deal with all that mess. And then I guess the end of, well, spoiler territory. It's not spoilers. Captain America. (laughs) Wait, what are you talking about? No, I was talking about Captain America. Once he brought up in this entire movie other than the shield. I meant Fury's Big Week includes the the end. Oh. (laughs) Okay. I didn't realize that was actually part of the end. I thought it was a little bit earlier, actually. What do you mean? I I just thought the timeline didn't line up that way. (laughs) Let's not worry about this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So in this movie, we open up on Ivan. His dad is laying there dying with the audio from Iron Man 1 playing over the scene, which I thought was a really cool way to place it in time and bring us up to speed. Not just the audio, like the actual news clip of Tony Stark announcing that he was Iron Man. Correct. Yeah, his dad dies. I don't know if you have anything to say about that. No, not really. (laughs) Okay. And Ivan takes that inspiration to build his own Iron Man energy source. What do you call it? Arc reactor. Arc reactor. (laughs) (laughs) And then we go to six months later to Iron Man 2. Well, I think it's worth mentioning that Ivan making his whiplash suit is done in a manner that's very similar to Tony Stark making the Mark I suit in Iron Man 1. And I think they're trying very hard to parallel those two scenes. How are they similar? He's in a dark place, working with limited equipment. And it just, it just, if you put those scenes of him building his suit next to the scenes of Tony Stark making his suit, I think that they would match up very well. Like, they're supposed to be similar. I guess so. I mean, the context of Tony building his first suit was so wrapped up in being held hostage by terrorists that it's hard for me to, like, compare them. But in that they're both in poor conditions, yeah, I guess aesthetically it would be similar. I don't know. I think they really want to show Ivan as very similar to Tony Stark if he went bad. Hmm. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but... (laughs) 
So this movie was originally planned to be a lot different before they added in a lot of the Avengers stuff. And I think that this was going to be a stronger theme used in the movie, but it didn't really end up being in the final end product. Because one thing about them choosing Whiplash as the main villain is that he is a very strange villain to choose. He is a weird skill set. And any other time in a Marvel movie has done that, they've done a much better job of showing why this character makes sense in this universe. But Whiplash didn't really. All right. Um, I mean, maybe that would be had have been an interesting movie if we got it, but with what we have, I don't think there's much comparison. <laughs> yeah, but hey, at least he has a bird, and that's all that matters. Y- yeah. <laughs> I like the bird. So fast forward to Stark Expo? Uh, yeah. Tony Stark is now a world-famous superhero, and the world loves him. Holy crap, it's been like no time at all, and everyone is obsessed with him. Yep. <laughs> Hey, I mean, if you think about it, in this world, he is the first modern superhero. And I don't even know if kids at this point believe that Captain America was more than just a TV character. I don't know if they know that he had real powers. So he might actually be the first superhero that anyone knows about. I feel like they do know, though, about Captain America. Yeah. Well, either way, that was still years and years and years ago. And this is the first superhero that the modern person has. And it's a very modern superhero. (laughs) Yep. And he does like his moment in the spotlight. (laughs) When he's surrounded by a bunch of half-naked dancing girls. Oh yeah, that's classic Stark. Yeah. Yay! (laughs) This movie was definitely a guy movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a real man's man, but that was really off-putting to me also. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm glad that you say that. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, that's weird. That was real weird. But I mean, it's like just supposed to, it's just one example of Tony's, his just outrageousness that he shows off during this movie. Indeed. I don't know if you have anything else to say about that, but my next note is about his blood toxicity. That's what I was going to say too. Cool. We're on the same page. Amazing. So basically, Tony finds out that his blood is toxic and is getting poisoned by palladium, I believe is what it's called. Yeah, it's palladium. Um, which is what the arc reactor is doing to his body, essentially. Yeah, essentially the fuel of the arc reactor is poisoning him slowly. So what's keeping him alive is also killing him. So Tony is going absolutely crazy trying to... For one, Tony has already tried and failed to find a new power source for his suit and his arc reactor. And he's trying obnoxiously hard to leave a good image of himself before he dies. And it's not going well. Is he trying to leave a good image of himself before he dies? I think so. I think that's the whole point of the Stark Expo, is his lasting legacy. Oh. Because it's basically the last year of his life, and the Stark Expo is a year-long expo. Fair enough. That's an interesting conclusion. So then, basically, Tony gets subpoenaed to go to court. And they switch the black guy, introducing the new roadie actor. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Yeah, so Rhodey is one of the only other characters that has been recast during the Marvel movies, the other one being Bruce Banner, even though that hasn't happened yet. And it was really off-putting the first time I saw it. Rhodes? Mm-hmm. Just having a new actor. Yeah, I I mean, he's he's such a different actor is the thing, like... <laughs> yeah, they didn't seem similar at all. Which, I don't know if they were like, well, they're both black, no one will notice, but it's definitely noticeable. For sure. Though, that might be another reason why I was able to go in more blank to this movie is I'm already used to him being Rhodes now. 
because now he's had several movies of being Rhodes. Well, he also had a lot more character development in this movie than he did in the first Iron Man. For sure. That is true, because he actually had a starring role in this movie. I mean, like, a crucial role, rather than Iron Man 1, which barely used him at all. Yeah, even though I'd, his character's still pretty one-note in this movie, he's just there a lot more. That's for sure. He's just, I'm a stickler for the rules, and that is my <laughs> character, apparently. He is a military man. Yep. So anyways, the government wants Tony's suit because he has a weapon of very large destruction. I wouldn't say mass destruction. <laughs> and Tony's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's basically that whole court case. Um, there's this one government dude who's like, yo, this is dangerous. Tony's like, hell no, this is mine. You can't have it. And then Justin Hammer, his rival from Hammertech, who, well, if you can call it a rival when he can't successfully produce any weapons that work i mean he was probably the next best company yeah but that's not saying much (laughs) true he testifies saying that the suit is a big sword that tony wants us to see as a shield which i mean i think it's really interesting because it's true (laughs) it is true they they try to make that's one of the weird things about this movie is that They are trying to make it seem like what Tony is doing is right. He has no limitations and is going into other countries and attacking people in order to stabilize regions. And that's not really okay. Like, one thing that really stood out to me is at the end of the case, he stands up and is like, Hey, you guys should all be thanking me. I privatized world peace and everyone stands and claps. There is no way that would happen in reality. That would be the most horrifying thing ever. Ever, if someone's like, oh yeah, I am now in control of the most powerful weapon in the world, and I am thus stopping anyone from fighting each other because I'll kill them first. That's terrifying. Yeah, I completely agree. And even Rhodes testifies that he's definitely like a threat to national security, but that the benefits like of using him outweigh the bad and that they should try to fold him into the government. Yeah, just all of this just seems like we just need Iron Man to be the hero in this movie. <laughs> This doesn't make sense. It it really doesn't. Like, okay, so here's the thing. I understand completely why the government wants his weapon. It makes total sense. The fact that he makes them look like total douchebags for wanting that just seems weird to me. Like, what? It's just this whole movie is Tony Stark's the hero, so whatever he says is right. And in this case, that that isn't true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I I entirely agree with you with all of this. This is not okay. This is not how reality works. It's just a movie trying to make Iron Man the hero. Okay, so I remember what I was going to say. I can see a counterpoint to the government having control of it only because, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't really trust the government with this technology either. If the government had suits this powerful, I can see them frigging going power hungry and ruining everything too. It's just hard when it's like, right now it's owned by some random rich dude who has no reason to abide by the government when he has tech this powerful. Yeah, it's terrifying. He could just go into military bases and explode them without anyone stopping him. He should not have this weapon, but America shouldn't literally steal it. They should be like, hey, don't use it. Also, if you will give us the tech, that'd be great. Thanks. We'll, <laughs> we'll pay you. <laughs> yeah, so it feels like this really big, weird gray area of like... Who should actually have this technology? There's no real answer, so we're just going to pretend that it's Tony. Yeah, I'm just going to blame all this on bad plot. That's totally fair. 
And then we move on to Pepper freaking out about the company and trying to get Tony's attention, and he makes her CEO of everything. Yep. Pepper's in charge, which is... And makes perfect sense, since she should have already been in charge. Yeah, I was wondering how you felt about that. How I felt about Tony giving Pepper control of the company? Yeah. Uh, I don't have any super strong opinions about it. She basically was already running the company. And also, Tony's like, hey, I'm gonna die, I need a successor. Pepper's clearly the only one I can trust. This is one of those issues where I don't know who would have been a better alternative because we've never met anyone else that works at Stark Industries other than Happy and technically Black Widow who gets introduced in the next scene when Pepper is transferring the ownership to her. And Obadiah Stane. And Obadiah, but he's (laughs) very, very dead. Yes. Very, very very much exploded in a giant blue sky beam. Yeah, that that's a totally fair point, because when he made her C- CEO, I was like, is she the most qualified for this position? But then she also is running the company with him, so possibly? Tony barely ever did anything, so Pepper already was usually doing everything. So I think she really was pretty much the most qualified. If Obadiah was still around and a good person, he probably would have been the better choice, but he is not a good person and dead. I think Pepper is a good and reasonable choice. Yeah, that that makes sense. The thing that bothers me with this, though, is that they never tell us what direction his company took. He stopped making weapons. He is Iron Man. And we don't know what his company does. (laughs) Yeah, it has only been six months. And in later movies, we do know what they choose to do. But yeah, they don't really talk about it in this movie, which is a little odd. Other than the fact that they're still sponsoring all sorts of stuff like race cars. Which... Doesn't really help when they have no product that we know about to sell. To be fair, they probably have a crazy amount of money and it's only been six months and they're currently actively restructuring the company. And they can't suddenly be like, all right, now we're this. Like, they need some actual time to figure it out. So maybe that's what's happening. Okay. If... I guess that's what we're going to go with. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just not that important. Stark Industries kind of just fades into the background now that Tony isn't in charge. I feel like it is important, though. I mean, the history with his dad is, but it's not like Stark Industries is doing much. I don't know. Well, anyways, (laughs) when Tony is transferring the company to Pepper, we are introduced to his new assistant and Pepper's assistant later. We are introduced to Black Widow, who is undercover to keep track of Iron Man for S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. (sighs) And she is 100% introduced as a... I was going to say sex symbol. I don't know if that's the right word. Just a sex object? She's just meant to be a pretty girl. A very pretty girl. I'm glad that you said that because, yeah, her introduction was very male gazy. Oh, God, it's awful. (laughs) Like, this is this character that we're supposed to take really seriously. And she's like, look at me. Or, I mean, she's not doing this, but from Tony's perspective, it's like, oh my god, look at that super hot chick. And then, like, later he's, like, scrolling through her modeling pictures. And then we see her beat up happy. It's like, oh, wow, maybe she's also dangerous. It's like, this is not how you should have introduced Black Widow. No, it's so bad. It hurts (laughs) my soul. (laughs) It's so bad. (laughs) And, okay, like, what makes it worse is that she has no characterization in this movie. Also, why the hell would she beat the crap out of Happy if she's trying to maintain a cover? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, she should have been like, no, I don't want to fight. <laughs> yeah. Or like pretend to be helpless. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. That was weird. 
I mean, I get that they want to introduce all their characters for Avengers, but honestly, it would have been better just to introduce her in Avengers. <laughs> I, I think that this could have been done better. But yeah, this yes. like it's it's possible they could have done a good job of introducing her now, like how they introduce Hawkeye and Thor. But God, this is awful. <laughs> this scene in particular. Later, it's better, but this scene is bad. I agree, though I don't think it's good in this movie at all. <laughs> I mean, just the, her fight scene later on, where it's like really funny how she beats up ten people while Happy just beats up one. I liked that scene. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, cool fight scene. But again, we know nothing about her character. She's just a cool spy, and that's all we get. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, after all this scene, we go all the way to, all the way to Europe to watch a race car race? So random. (laughs) Why? I don't know. Uh, For some some reason, Ivan knows he'll be there. I mean, I'm assuming that this is a thing that Tony Stark goes to every year. So Ivan goes there expecting to find Tony Stark there. And of course, all the other industry bigwigs like Justin Hammer are there. And oh my god, Elon Musk. Totally forgot about that. I wasn't super on Elon Musk's hype train back then. But now with SpaceX, that was cool. That makes me so happy. I don't know who that is. Ah, oh, Trey. He, he's the owner and creator of SpaceX and Tesla and so many cool things, and it's amazing. He was in the movie? Yeah, Elon Musk was in the movie. Also, they filmed, like, the I think the Hammer stuff in SpaceX's factories. That's an interesting tidbit. Yeah, it's great. It's so perfect because he, like, he's totally the kind of person that would have been there. Fun facts with Henry. Yeah! <laughs> oh, man, that made me so happy. Can we just kind of skip around to the race and the fight with Ivan? Do you want to talk about anything in the clubhouse thing? No. Yeah. Well, I actually, there is one thing I want to say. It was in the bathroom or something. Like, Tony's just like, what's something stupid and fun I can do? And then he's like, oh, I can just drive my own race car. This is one of the first good examples of Tony being extremely crazy manic depressive because he's dying. Though, it just brings up a whole lot of weird stuff about... Why did Ivan expect Tony to be in the car? Or was that even his plan to begin with? Yeah, I don't know. I think Ivan's whole attack is extremely random and unmotivated. My guess of what Ivan's plan originally was is he just wanted to make a huge scene by destroying all the cars. He didn't need Tony to be there because if Tony wasn't there, he would have flown over. Okay. But all of this scene, Ivan cutting race cars in half and then Iron Man using his mobile suit, it just solidified to me that the point of this movie is the rule of cool. They're just trying to show cool things without context. I mean, without any importance, it doesn't matter. Race cars, yeah! Portable suit, yeah! Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they're just they're just weird, but they're cool, I guess. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Like, the portable suit, I remember being advertised very heavily. And it is really cool, but it's just used in this one scene in a very strange way. Yeah, and it's really not impressive after seeing the stuff that comes after it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeez, in the current movies, it's like nothing. It's so adorable. It's so cute. <laughs> Classic. The little baby Iron Man with his, like, marked three and four suits. Aww. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of funny that also Whiplash survives getting crushed by a car. Like, a car just rams into him and he's fine. He has no armor on his legs. He just gets hit by a car and is fine. <laughs> I also have that note, like, <laughs> what? Shouldn't he be, you know, paralyzed or destroyed or something? Yeah. Though, one thing I think we talked about in the last movie of Tony really being a hero versus Tony just being the guy with the suit 
is that Tony didn't run away when he had the chance from Whiplash. Even without the suit, he stood and fought. I didn't consider that a choice because I feel like Whiplash would have gotten him really easily if he'd tried to run away. That is true. Those whips are long. Yeah. So I think fighting makes the most sense, and Tony is smart and knows this. Fair enough. But the whole big thing about Whiplash's attack, even though he loses, is that he has an arc reactor. So now the public knows other people can have that tech, not just Tony Stark. So he made the god bleed. Which, could anybody even see that? Uh, not the public, but they would have found out when they captured him, and then it would have been world news. Okay. After Tony's arrogant show at the Pentagon or public hearing, whatever. I was a little confused by it, because I'm like, his suit is like barely a suit and nothing like Tony's. Right? (laughs) It's not an Iron Man suit. It's the arc reactor, that I will give you. But it is not an Iron Man suit at all. It's a dude with whips. What? (laughs) If they, yeah. So if they just wanted to specify arc reactor, that would have worked a lot better. Yeah, also, Jesus, those whips are so dumb. Electro whips is just really weird. It's just a very strange choice. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, Ivan wants to make God bleed so the world will cease to believe in him. Even though that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's that's the weird part. Like, (laughs) he keeps saying you lose. He says it now and he says it at the end of the movie. You lose! You lose! Tony doesn't lose anything! Not at all. It's like... Like, for a second here, the government tries to take his suits because they're like, see, there is other arc reactors in the world. But by the end, it's like, he didn't lose, so what the heck are you saying? (laughs) Like, at his birthday party, everyone was afraid of him when he freaked out. But after that, everyone still loved him, and when he showed up at the hammer tech thing in the end, everyone's like, yeah, Iron Man, I love that guy, he's so cool. (laughs) He didn't lose any following at all. Yeah. Well, anyways, the try to get some deep motivation for Whiplash and Ivan, we were introduced to his backstory that his dad helped create what made Tony Stark's company big. And then he was sent away to Russia and blah, blah, blah. And Ivan wants revenge because his family was built on blood, even though it was just his dad. And I guess Tony just because he kept the company running. Was this explained in the prison scene? Uh, yeah. Or, I think so. I thought we didn't get any of that till Fury explained it. I think he just said that your family is like built on blood or something like that. And then Tony looks it up later. And then Fury fills in more details later. Okay. Yeah, because he's like sitting in his car in his basement workshop looking at information about Ivan's dad. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Ivan's taken to prison, then Justin Hammer, the huge dick of the movie, breaks him out <laughs> to be used <laughs> for his own creations, to make his own Iron Man suit. And Justin Hammer is an idiot! Ivan is playing him so hard! <laughs> I know, how stupid can you possibly be? Yeah, Justin Hammer, his showmanship is too much. Like, he is clearly a comic book villain to a horrible extent. Like... It's just so off-putting and unrealistic. Yeah. He doesn't feel real. (laughs) But I do greatly enjoy that Ivan immediately realized how stupid he was and was playing him like like an idiot. Is that why the bird stuff was so weird? I don't 
I mean, I think Ivan genuinely wanted his bird because that was probably the only companionship he's ever had in his whole life other than his dad who's dead. <laughs> but I think that's what he was doing the whole time. Ivan was just playing Justin Hammer from the very beginning. I don't know. Because uh, Justin, like, brought him an identical bird and he's like, this is not my bird. But it was it not his bird? That was just to be funny. It wasn't his bird. It was just some other random bird because they couldn't find it. <laughs> it's probably dead. Oh, okay. That was just, yeah, that was just a comedy moment. <laughs> I was very confused about the purpose of that. <laughs> it was just Justin Hammer doing anything to try to please this man and he couldn't find the bird. So he got him a new one. Okay. It's supposed to be funny. It's kind of funny. It's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we mentioned the birthday party. Um. Well, I mean, I mentioned the birthday party yes. about him scaring off people. Yeah. So, I mean, seriously, like, <laughs> right after Tony's, like, the suit, like, I'm Iron Man, the suit is basically safe with me. He goes and gets drunk in his suit and destroy, like, starts firing weapons drunkenly on accident, breaking stuff, and being a douchebag. Well, again, this is another example of his manic depressive situation, because basically... The press for Whiplash and someone else having an arc reactor is horrible. So he shouldn't be having a super crazy public birthday party, but he thinks it's his last birthday party. So he really wants to make it, and he really wants to have an awesome birthday party, but he's out of control, gets completely trashed and being an asshole. I'm amazed at how little self-control he has. I think he's just going crazy. Like, again, he's just crazy, manic, depressive, and has he's losing control of his life. Yeah, I know. He's He thinks he's dying, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyways, <laughs> Rhodes shows up, equips one of the Iron Man suits. I guess he is now War Machine. And now War Machine has to fight him to stop him from going crazy. Yep. One thing I do like about this scene is that later they do acknowledge that the only reason why Rhodey could wear the suit is because it was made to allow him to. But it's really awkward that Tony said... He could be in another suit in the first movie, like, next time. Like, at the end of Iron Man 1, Rhodey's like, next time, baby. I'm going to be using one of those. And then it's like they forgot about it, that Tony was clearly planning on giving him a suit also. Tony never said that that was Rhodes. I think they heavily implied it. Okay, I I took it as, like, Rhodes wanted to fly one, so he was going to ask about it. I think it was both. Anyways, though, the, the suit was made for him. Why do you, what, what makes you think that? Why the suit was made for him? Yeah. Or it was made to allow him. Because they talk about it later in the movie. The Iron Man suits can't be worn by anyone that Tony Stark has not specifically allowed. It has like biometric sensors that will not let anyone else buy it. But, but didn't they say like biometric sensors like all sarcastically? Like I thought your tech worked like so no one else could use it. It does work. They were confused because they expect Tony Stark to prevent anyone from stealing it. And they were right, though. Tony purposefully made the suit compatible with Rhodey. Especially because, who's going to become the next Iron Man when Tony dies? Potts is going to take over the company. Rhodey is going to take over being Iron Man. That's how he was thinking it. When did they ever say this? I think it's very heavily implied. Tony allowed Rhodey to steal the suit. I did not get that at all. That entire sequence with Tony and Fury interacting with... When Fury's like, you could have stopped him. He could have stopped him. Tony just gave up and just let him go. He could have controlled that situation if he was in his right mind. I'm like 99% sure 
Tony allowed Rhodey to use a suit. Like, that suit was made for Rhodey, essentially. If that was true, that would make sense. I just don't think they said it. <laughs> I don't know if they've said it, but they don't need to say something specific, like, directly to imply it. I'm pretty sure it was heavily implied. That's how I read it, at least. Okay, I took it as a sarcastic comment, like, and confusion of why his thing didn't work of stopping someone else from taking his suit. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole thing is Tony Stark's stuff is pretty much perfect. They were right. Tony wouldn't have let anyone else take it. Okay. Though on a whole other note, it's weird that they get access to the War Machine suit and instead of duplicating it, they just soup it up and that's it. Like, hey, you have the suit. Make it. (laughs) Make more. Which really makes me wonder if they can't. They probably can't. I mean, they probably don't know how to make arc reactors still, but they could at least duplicate the rest. Well, what good would duplicating the rest do without an arc reactor? I don't know, man. You gotta start somewhere, right? (laughs) Also, they could probably... They could start... Or what's the word for it? Reverse engineering the arc reactor. They shouldn't have souped up the Iron Man suit, which for one, why would you put guns on it? It has better things than guns built in. It has like little missiles and repulsor beams. Like, why does it need a Gatling gun? I agree. And I was also confused why they trusted, or why they hired Hammertech or Justin Hammer to do everything instead of like their own people. Yeah, and then Rhodey wanting all the guns. Like, I get it. That's what War Machine looks like in the comics and stuff. I think this is just another situation of the plot being bad. (laughs) All right. (laughs) They just, they need Hammer to be involved more. Mainly so that they could do that little ex-wife joke at the end with the stupid bullet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, Hammer Tech thing failed. Ha ha ha, we haven't had this joke yet in this movie. Also, that Rose is going to use a bunker buster on a phone nearby who is a human. (laughs) That is more than murdering someone. That's exploding them and you and the entire area. (laughs) It's a horrible idea. I I thought that too. I'm like, it's going to destroy all these things, but you're going to fire it two feet away? Okay. Yeah. uh, God. (laughs) Anyways, we could talk about that more later. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Back to the Rhodey Iron Man fight. Did you hear Pepper, like, accuse Black Widow right after it? Because she was, like, blaming her, like, I'm on to you. This didn't happen before you arrived. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's not really out of place like it makes sense because she is a spy but in that context it didn't make any sense yeah i was very confused like if anything black widow was trying to prevent such situations like she thinks black widow is causing tony to act like an asshole <laughs> i don't know but we could also talk about how right before the party when black widow is helping tony like get dressed and get his watches and stuff that's just another scene that has no value other than hey look scarlett johansson is so sexy I know. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, she is sexy. She is. I. (laughs) But I want her to like emote, not just be a body. (laughs) Yes, I very much agree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, (laughs) Tony. Yeah, we move on to Tony hanging out in a donut because he's drunk and well hungover while eating a donut. (laughs) He's eating a donut in a donut. This is like right at the halfway point. This movie isn't very well structured. It's it's just kind of a cluster of just weird scenes that don't really fit together that well. But I'm actually surprised this moment was like dead on halfway. They did a good job of that. Of Tony meeting with Fury and <gasps> Black Widow's actually a spy. You think that was intentional to do that halfway? Yeah, like that that was that was very intentionally the halfway point. Though so why why was Black Widow in her full outfit then? 
Why were they so sure to secure the perimeter of the donut place? Because plot. Uh, yeah, just because setting up the Avengers. It just felt really out of place. And again, hey, look. Now Scarlett Johansson is in tight latex. Well, not latex, just a tight bodysuit. I mean, just the fact that Fury cares enough to, like, go personal with Tony Stark and be like, you're not being who we need you to be. Felt It felt really weird. <laughs> yeah. But it gives him the inspiration to make a new element. So. Yeah. <laughs> Because apparently Fury has all of the answers of what everything his dad used to invent and is like, here, this is everything you need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this scene is the epitome of trying to set up Avengers in Iron Man 2, which was one of the biggest issues with this movie is they had an original plan and Marvel was like, hey, we need people to be interested in the Avengers, not just Iron Man. Push it. Push it really hard. And this was the first time it was done, and it was done badly. Yes. However, Fury also gives more of Ivan's backstory, and I do want to talk about this. So he basically says that Ivan's dad just wanted to get rich quick, which is why Howard Stark had him deported. Which, I'm I'm like, what? Why? What's wrong with wanting to get rich quick? I mean, he wanted to, like... <sighs> It's okay. I don't know the details about this history that much, but during World War II and the Cold War, a lot of people from like Russia and Germany escaped to America to join our weapons programs. Like a lot of the people that worked in NASA were like rocket engineers from like Nazi Germany and Russia. Okay. So I think the whole idea is he was this foreign guy that was only allowed into America because he was going to help with the weapons industry. He was trying to be shady about it. So Howard Stark was like, nah, this guy's bad. Kick him out. We can't trust him to be a good American man, even though he's also a private weapons manufacturer. It, it was weird. But just because he wanted to get rich? Like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like they should have explained it way better. Like, what did he do that was so bad? Yeah, they're just trying to redeem Howard Stark since Ivan's like, your dad is evil. But that's the other thing. I mean, I get that. Deporting someone, not great, but he deported your dad from working on his project and when he had to go back to his home country where they stayed. Like, is that really that big of a reason for getting well, revenge on, on the whole family? <laughs> they didn't only stay in Russia. They were sent to Siberia, like the crappy, icy, cold nightmare place in the north. Wow, that probably sounds horrible. They were kicked out to <laughs> Siberia. I don't know anything about Siberia other than it's cold, and there's very few roads in a lot of places. <laughs> so, I don't, like, I guess we're just supposed to believe that Ivan had a terrible upbringing because he was raised in Siberia, and, and therefore wants to take it out on Tony. Well, he was also raised by a horribly mad, drunken man who had nothing but spite for Howard Stark and Tony Stark. All he knew growing up was, the Starks are evil, destroy the Starks. He was essentially brainwashed by his father to hate the Starks. I just feel like if his father was that horrible, he would hate his father more than Tony. <sighs> the plot's bad. Just just let it let it let it be. Okay. <laughs> so then Fury sends in Colson to watch over Tony and like shoot him if he goes anywhere, which literally makes zero sense. Did he say shoot? I thought he was just going to contain him. Oh yeah, that. Shoot him with a taser. Whatever. Whatever. I don't know. They also have, like, a drug that cures his poisoning. Like, I mean, not, doesn't cure it, delays it. 
But hey, that's like any illness. If you just take a pill every day to deal with it, like you could just take that every day to deal with it. Yeah, but I'm like, <laughs> does Coulson even serve a purpose here? He shows up. I feel like it's just a cameo. Like he shows up. I need to contain you. Completely disappears when Tony leaves the house and then shows back up to say, I'm going to New Mexico. Bye. <laughs> yeah, he's literally there to be like, hey, I still exist. We're setting up the Avengers and hey, Thor is next. It's it's weird. It, uh... <laughs> Though he was there to like help Tony make his particle accelerator. And it's funny that Tony uses a uh, Captain America shield just to balance it. And Coulson, you could see it, the hurt in his eyes as he's using a shield yeah. <laughs> to balance it. And it's great. Was that supposed to be a prototype or something? Uh, no, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a film prop or like something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Because Howard did make Cap's shield. Yeah. One thing that's interesting about that, though, and Coulson going to see Thor and... Coulson actually having a more substantial role in this movie is that you can really tell that this is the year the MCU really knew where it was going. Like Iron Man 1, they made a cool movie and dropped hints. Hulk, they added Stark in at the end. It didn't really matter that much. This movie clearly set up things with Thor, Captain America, with Black Widow, with the Avengers. They clearly had a path. They figured it out. They were ready and they knew what they were going to do. If only they'd figured out a better path for Iron Man 2. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then we get like a video of Tony's dad saying that all of this stuff is for him. And really, he did love him. But he doesn't actually say that. But <laughs> yeah, Howard's like, yeah, by the way, Tony, I secretly love you, even though I never told you you're my greatest creation. Now you create this atom that I couldn't make in my time because we didn't have the technology yet even though you could make it in less than a day in your house. That's one thing I didn't realize beforehand, before seeing this movie, is Tony making the accelerator, making the element, making a new arc reactor that can use that element, and then him going all the way across the country happens in 24 hours, or like 36 hours. It's all in a day. Him figuring out the element, him making the... Because he made science, a particle Henry. accelerator in a day. Not even a day, in an afternoon. No, That's, where you, just gotta get you, better you at can't science. just like find random parts for that. <laughs> he, like he like had like crates that he was opening up. What was this some random particle accelerator he found at Stark Industries that Pepper just let him take? Like what? I thought yeah, there, I, I thought there was it's, more time. And if there was bad. more time, it would have made more sense. But it was all in 24 hours. And the reason why I'm saying that is when Tony went to Stark Industries to get his dad's model, Pepper says that she's going to the hammer event the next night. I didn't realize it was that quick. Yep. The other thing about that is if Tony created a new element, why is he the only person? That I mean, has it could it? be like <laughs> the thing that Howard showed him was a thing that only he can figure out how to make. Maybe he spread that information down the line. I don't know. I highly doubt it. It was weird. Nothing about that makes sense. But that's what I mean. I feel like after he discovers the element, like this should be the solution to the world's energy problems and all of that. I want crap. to like. I mean, but no. Any more about this would be spoiler territories for Avengers and Iron Man three. All right. Does it make sense that his dad discovered the element but was unable to make it? Yes and no. There are definitely things that people have figured out theoretically in the past that weren't able to be proven at the time. 
In fact, some of Einstein's ideas weren't even proved until like this decade. We are pretty sure all experiments said that it was likely true, but we couldn't like definitively prove it until now because our science, our scientific devices are way better than they were back then. It's just strange and it doesn't really make sense. And the chemistry and physics of higher weight particles is actually very well understood and how they are made is very well understood. It's just very, 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 very difficult to do. So it's it's just nonsense. In Iron Man 1's podcast, I would have been superhero logic, whatever. In this movie, I'm like, ugh, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that our audience may come to see. I get much more nitpicky as I don't like a movie. Yeah. He gets very, very, very nitpicky if he doesn't like a movie. Yeah. So one thing we skipped really quickly right there is we had the whole that's not my bird scene with Justin Hammer and Ivan. Another instance of Ivan just and, and there is another instance of Ivan just completely playing Justin Hammer for a fool. And Hammer's not going to make Iron Man suits. Instead, they're going to make drones, which, hmm, that's not sketchy at all. Not at all. Let's give the weird foreign guy tons of drones to manage. Let's not be surprised at all when his programming turns into, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, they, he was able to hack into their system in, like, less than a minute in the first scene that Ivan was in Hammer's factories. I don't know why you would ever trust him with this, and it's because Justin Hammer is an idiot. It's It, it pains me how much of an idiot this guy, who is the CEO of this competitive company, is. Yeah, well, anyways, I think we're ready for the finale, which we begin with the Hammer Expo. Yes. Which, yeah, Tony's might have been sexualized and ridiculous, but, oh, Hammer's is horrible. It just is the most cringy thing. I'm not going to lie, I think I tuned out on that part, so I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> He's just, like, awkwardly dancing to himself with, like, kind of, I don't remember what, what music it was. And it just was so cringy, and he was so into himself, and the crowd's like, cool, whatever. Then he shows off all the robots for all the different types of missions. And then his big crowning achievement is the war machine suit that he barely did anything to. He mounted guns on it. Yeah. <laughs> and no one cared about the drones when they saw War Machine. And then Tony shows up because Tony has now found out that Ivan is alive and is going to do something evil like hack the suits. He found out because Ivan called him. Did Ivan tell him that he was going to hack the suits? Nah, he just kind of mentioned that he was going to do something evil at Stark Expo or something. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> he just like It was just like a really weird little plot device to get Tony there. Yeah. Again, then, poor story. <laughs> and they immediately fire on him and all of the citizens behind him are like, don't yeah, matter. Yeah, <laughs> holy, holy crap. There is so much collateral damage in this scene. Yeah. There's po like probably a lot of people died. Good job, Ivan. Though we had our first uh, our first Spider-Man scene. No, we didn't. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who are unaware, Tom Holland, who acts as Spider-Man later in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he says that he is the little boy that Tony Stark saves in this scene, this whole battle, which was a fan theory. He confirmed it was true. It's not true, but it could be cool. Because then he said, oh, JK, I totally was just saying that, that Kevin Faggy confirmed it because I thought it was cool, but he didn't actually confirm it. To be fair, it is possible, but it just doesn't matter. It, it's just irrelevant. 
And I think it would be a cute little nod to the like future. Like it clearly wasn't planned, but it there's no reason it can't be true. Sure. Anyways, all the drones and War Machine are now hunting down Iron Man. This fight is again rule of cool. So many explosions and guns and flying around and crashing through places in the expo and car alarms going off and stuff and it it's just trying to be cool and it is cool. It's an epic robot battle, but the weight behind it isn't there. Yeah, I cannot care about action scenes if they don't have good story and <laughs> like weight to them. So none of this, none of this, what was interesting to me at all. <laughs> yeah, another thing about it, it's kind of lame that Rhodey didn't try to resist that much. Like clearly, he's like, I'm not in control. I don't know what to do. But, like, if Tony's suit was being controlled, he'd be like, uh, I know what to do. Like, crap. I don't know. I feel like he should have done something. Yeah, he probably could have crashed into a building and ended up paralyzed. Yeah, well, anyways. Meanwhile, with Happy and Black Widow, she's changing in the back of the car. They have another little sexualized moment. Cool. Ha ha. Even though that scene was actually kind of funny, to be honest, because Happy almost hit a car. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Like, that's the only sexualized scene that's funny. And then later, when they're breaking into the factory, or Hammer Industries company, Happy takes forever to fight off one guy when Black Widow takes out, like, ten, which is just a cool showing of what Black Widow's potential actually is. And that was cool, though it felt really out of place in this movie, because, again, they're just forcing Avenger stuff into the movie that didn't need it. Yeah, and because it was completely unnecessary. (laughs) Also, would they really have had that many aggressive armed guards? I don't even remember who she was going after. (laughs) She was going after Ivan. And I don't know why all these armed guards would protect Ivan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, It just didn't make sense. They were just, again, rule of cool. We need to show off Black Widow. Who cares about logic? But then I also feel like that's the most we've seen of Happy so far. Yeah, Happy got a lot of screen. Well, a decent amount of screen time in this movie, which I liked. Because Happy's hilarious. Also, he's the director. Did he get a decent amount? Because I was thinking, like, this scene with Black Widow was the most we see of him. I mean, he's, like, boxing with Tony, and, like, he gets, like, just destroyed by Black Widow later, and Happy drives the car into Ivan at the racetrack, and this scene. Like, he's just around. He exists. Yeah, exactly. He's still a side character. He's not developed very much, but he exists. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of which... We haven't talked about Pepper very much this entire movie. We'll get to her. Yeah, we will. I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> so Tony takes out all the drones while flying around and making them crash into buildings and stuff. And then they end up in this giant garden thing where Tony takes out like all the robots at once with this one-time laser. That's literally one time because it never shows up again in the entire MCU, I think. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Do you know? Okay, so when Tony and War Machine, after they oh, do some oh, cool oh. partner battling, know, because Black Widow, yeah, Black Widow hacks the mainframe and frees, frees War Machine. Which, speaking of which, why did Tony's internal camera show up on that screen and Pepper? I'd... Like, Pepper could make sense because she was using Hammer's computer, but Tony? <laughs> That's insane! That makes no sense! Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was stupid. This is also an example of... We are using a faceless enemy that it's okay to murder, like robots or some kind of aliens or just not humans. So killing them or destroying them has a lot less weight. 
which allows you to kill hordes of enemies without any depth. Yes. And <laughs> and dealing with murder. <laughs> yeah. Which is used in many movies, not just Marvel movies, not just DC movies, just lots of movies use this kind of thing. And video games. Video games actually do this a lot. And then we get frigging Ivan showing up in his own Iron Man suit. Yeah, which we never saw at all. And then it barely does anything other than has whips that can rewind yeah. into itself. It was. It's not impressive. It, it wasn't. It really wasn't. And it's like we're especially because he could fly, and he didn't fly after he landed. And because we already did it. Yeah, it was very Iron Man one, and it wasn't that impressive with Obadiah either. Exactly. But they have a very short fight scene, which ends in them shooting each other to blow him up. Which was a callback to when they did it during the party. Whoa! No way. Yeah. Um, I, I did like, before Ivan showed up, Rhodey just talking about him being the big guns and talking about how he is the cooler guns. Because Rhodey really likes his guns. And we already talked about the ex-wife. I don't know. I just thought, I like I like seeing Tony and Rhodey banter. Though it just felt kind of off in this movie since they didn't have anything good to talk about. But at that scene, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I agree with you. It's interesting, though, how many, like, foreigners... I don't know. I feel like the Iron Man movies all feature foreigners very heavily in a bad guy role. They feel very, like, American, idealistic, patriotic because of it. Well, in Iron Man 1, they were trying to throw you off by doing that until the big reveal of Obadiah being the villain who's American. But that's one of the problems with a lot of comics, is a lot of them were created during a time where that was understandable. Like Captain America, he's literally the paragon of that. He was made to fight Nazis. That's what I think is hilarious, is that Iron Man's movies feel way more patriotic than Captain America's. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually hilarious. I never thought about that. Well, one and two. Mainly two. Three is just different. Well, we'll talk about three when we get the three. Yeah, you're totally right. That's hilarious. I never really thought about it that way. <laughs> <sighs> okay, we'll have to talk about this during Winter Soldier, because there's so many things we can say. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, one thing I did forget about the end of the movie is that Ivan self-destructs. Like, he did survive. He self-destructs him and all the drones. Yeah. Which was an example of Tony not killing the villain. Or any hero not killing the villain. As far as all the Marvel movies go, so far, Obadiah was killed, but he kind of killed himself. The Abomination was not killed. And Ivan was not killed. But both of Iron Man's villains died because of their own actions, essentially. Yeah. I mean, technically, Pepper killed Obadiah. They both did. It was teamwork. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, all the drones are exploding, and Tony goes to somehow exactly where Pepper is located and saves her from all the explosions. Yep. Yay. Yep. Then they go on a rooftop, have a heated debate, and then they kiss. Well, you're getting a little ahead of yourself, because their heated debate involves her freaking out about everything and quitting on the spot. Which then we just pretend doesn't happen because she's not actually quitting. I think this is, especially with Rhodey's comments right after it happens because he's there and not talking because he wants to watch because it is really funny to be honest. And I'm sure he's been there for very similar moments. It's just, this is how the relationship works. Pepper freaks out. Tony's like, nah, it's fine. And she's like, fuck it, whatever. I'm here for you. This is really weird. I forgot that the romance doesn't start in one, and then it starts in two in this really awkward way. Because they are very involved with each other, 
but there weren't really romantic moments at all in this movie. So this felt kind of out of place for this movie, even though the characters do seem to care about each other deeply. Yeah, I'm honestly, I don't love this scene because it feels like, oh, it's just Pepper being hysterical. We don't actually have to listen to what she says. She's so cute. Okay, let's kiss. Yeah, but again, it is how their relationship goes. It felt normal for them, even though it was kind of lame and shitty. But I did like Rhodey being like, you guys are like fighting seals. <laughs> <laughs> I like Rhodey there. That was great. And both of them are like, wait, you were just waiting there and watching? It's like, hey, I was here first. <laughs> like, that was funny. Yeah. I liked all of that. <laughs> Rhodey has some some good lines in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Did anything else happen? Or was that the final scene? Other than the after credit scene? Um, The Avengers Initiative. Oh, yes. Sorry, I have no notes for it. You have no notes for it? Okay. I remember. Well, I will the details. I will talk about it then. Go for it. Um so basically after all this happens, Tony sits down. Oh wait, I did lie. <sighs> I did have notes for it. Continue anyway. <laughs> <laughs> basically after all this happens, Tony sits down with director Fury and finds out that he's not recommended for the Avengers, which is very strange, but Iron Man is indicated for inclusion. They said they want to use him as a consultant, which is alluding to the scene where he shows up in The Hulk. Because in the after credit scene of The Hulk, or not after credits, just the ending scene of The Incredible Hulk, this is Tony Stark after Iron Man 2. Which, again, just shows how awkward positioning this is, because this should definitely be before The Hulk. But, I mean, yes, they do say we'd want to use you as a consultant role, but I, I wanted to talk about the fact that Tony's not recommended. Like, but he's the first avenger that they recruit so it's i don't know technically he's not actually no i guess he is it, it, again we don't really know where the scene takes place in regards to captain america yeah but we know tony's a big part of the avengers so i, I don't know this this was kind of confusing to me like why are they saying he's not recommended but then they immediately like recruit him <laughs> uh it's all dealt with in avengers is it yeah he talks about it in the Avengers. He's like, hey, didn't you guys say I wasn't recommended for this? Okay. Yeah, we can talk about the Avengers later. They they deal with it. It makes sense. Fine. I'm surprised that Black Widow didn't show up for that scene when they're talking about Black Widow's report. This is the one scene where you could have shown what she's really right? like. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been great if she described it herself. She's like, all right, so now that I'm going to ask like how I really am. Yeah, Tony... Your equipment is powerful, but you are uncontrollable and narcissistic, and we know that we cannot rely on you. Thank you for trying out for the Avengers. Bye! Yep, and instead we get Fury telling what she said. Yeah, and then we get Tony and Rhodes getting awards from that senator that they both hate, and that seems hilarious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Not that hilarious. For one, why would they even get awards? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, they did stop an attack on American soil, but, like, I feel like that... It's just, like, in the very beginning of the movie where they're, when Tony is applauded for privatizing world peace, that scene is not how Americans would have responded to such a situation. To be fair, we don't live in a world with superheroes, so maybe it would be different, but I don't think this is a very well-done scene. It's just supposed to be funny. Again, rule of cool... This movie doesn't have depth. It just has scenes that are meant to be cool or meant to be funny, like, where's my bird? And yeah. independently, they're sometimes amusing. 
but they don't function very well together and they don't make that much sense. Which just bringing this back to what we started talking about in the beginning um, with regard to the government stuff, it just feels really strange. Like there's no clear message here because it's basically, oh, like Tony wants to keep his property, the government takes it, but then they trust Justin Hammer who trusts a Russian dude who totally ruins everything and therefore Tony gets to keep his thing and shows the government's wrong? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Nope. Nope. No. Though the government doesn't know about Ivan, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, let's talk about the after credit scene, because Coulson is seen finding Thor's hammer. This is the first after credit scene that's very directly showing a future movie. But that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's it's funny and cool, but I mean not funny. It's just cool to see like, oh snap, Thor's next. Although I do remember at the time being a little weirded out by that because it was Thor, and that scene seemed like something that couldn't be done well. <laughs> it's like I don't know why you're making this Nordic god man a hero in the Marvel movies with all these like normal human people with powers. But sure, whatever. To be fair, it wasn't done well, but... Hey, we can talk about that in the next podcast. <laughs> I feel like all these podcasts are just us saying, these are bad. <laughs> I like Thor 1. You shut your mouth. I promise you that we are Marvel fans. <laughs> <laughs> they get better. They, they get a lot better. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird how strong Phase 1 is considered. Even though, really, the only strong movies, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying good movies. I mean, like, really strong movies are Iron Man, Captain America, and Avengers. Like, Hulk, Iron Man 2, and Thor are kind of weak. Like, I think they're all fine. They're all good. And they're good. And they're, well, I don't know about this movie. <laughs> we're, we're about to get to our rating section. But there, it's kind of funny how well-praised this phase is for starting a great cinematic universe even though it wasn't amazing. And that's fine. These movies were new. Marvel was still figuring stuff out. And they did. Yep. For the most part. Because most of their current movies are great. There's a few exceptions. But most of them are really good. And a lot of what the lessons they learned was from phase one. Indeed. So, shall we go to our ratings then? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, on our podcast, we do not use a rating system such as rating out of 10, because that's boring, and numbers aren't really good to rate movies, because honestly, everyone always uses, like, on a scale from 1 to 10, people only use, like, 6 to 10, or on a scale to 5, it's always 3 to 5. Like, almost no one ever uses 1 or 2 stars. So we use a tier system. So we start at F. F. This is bad. This is really bad. This is trash, the worst. No one should ever watch this movie. <laughs> D. This <laughs> D. This movie is bad. It's not okay. They should not have made a movie like this. C. It's okay. It's fine. It's an average movie. It's not impressive. Whatever. B. It's good. It's a solid film. Like, I liked it quite a lot. A. It is a great movie. This is a really good movie. I love it. Well, maybe... I'm not going to say I love it. It's a great movie. And I will definitely watch it again. And remember it fondly. We also have A+, which is an amazing movie, just shy of perfect. And S, this is perfect. This is as good as a movie can get. No movie is 100% flawless, of course, but these movies are the top of the top. So, Trey, what would you give Iron Man 2? Uh, just considering the uncompelling plot, 
and how under overstuffed and underdeveloped it is and how unlikable Tony is in this movie, I'm going to give it a C. Huh. I really thought you were going to go with a D with that. I understand that he's unlikable, but he's also manic depressive thinking he's going to die. And as soon as he realizes, or in, as soon as Fury convinces him that he needs to get his act together, this isn't the end. You, being Iron Man, can fix it. And he does. He stops being as much of a dick. Because, again, his life is back in order. But, again, this movie is a clustered mess. There's fun scenes, and I love Iron Man. He's my favorite hero, which automatically makes it a little bit better in my eyes. So I'm also going to give it a C. It's a movie that I'll watch again. It has a lot of flaws, but it has a lot of things I like. I like a lot of the scenes with Iron Man and Rhodes and Pepper. Even if they're not great, I still just love seeing them on film. And I do agree that it has some merits, like introducing all those people that we're going to see in the Avengers. I don't th- I don't think it's bad enough to give a D. I don't I don't think it's good either. It's just fine, so that's why I gave it a C. I agree. What I view as a D is a movie that I really come out I it's a movie that I see and I'm just like, "Wow, that hurt. I really didn't like this and this like I'm a little bit just like bummed I even saw this movie." And F is a movie that's so bad it makes me angry. Like, "Wow, This should never have existed. How did this even get past the writing room? Like, this is unforgivable. I know what you're going to give an F that I'm not. (laughs) I don't. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) I got it. I gotcha. (laughs) All right. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed our discussion of Iron Man 2. And we're going to do something a little bit informal for this one episode. We are going to do a spoiler section because there's a lot of things in this movie that have a lot of weight to do with future movies, and we really wanted to discuss this. So if you haven't seen all the Marvel movies and you're watching them for the first time, I hope you enjoyed. And please join us for our next episode and like and review us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook. Trey, where can you find us on Facebook? You can find us at facebook.com backslash MarvelousMCU, and you can send us an email at MarvelousMCUPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Trey. But now we're going to start a spoiler section, because there are some things we are dying to talk about. All right, so what we really wanted to get into was just how many similarities there were between this movie and Captain America Civil War. It was kind of strange to see uh, how early these same topics were being brought up. Yeah, I have not watched this movie since Civil War, and it's just very interesting to see how much has changed with how the public sees heroes doing whatever they want. Yeah, and I mean, just the fact that everything the government was arguing is exactly the argument in Civil War, like, the government wants to be in control of the superheroes, and, like, they can't just do everything they want like Tony is doing in this movie. And in Civil War, that's displayed as perfectly reasonable, like a completely rational fear that they have, especially because at this point, the Avengers have led to a lot of collateral damage. Yes. Another thing that's interesting about this comparison is that Iron Man is on the opposite side of the spectrum in this movie. And a lot of Iron Man's story throughout all of his movies in the Avengers and Civil War is how he switched sides from wanting to be the man who fixes everything himself without thinking about the government to hey, clearly we're out of control. We have to have some government regulation. We shouldn't just be completely freelance saving the world. What if we're doing things wrong? Which I think is very interesting too because 
Tony is totally out of control in this movie, and I know that it's because he's dying and he's just like being all risque, but it's definitely it, he he definitely should not have the suit at this point in his life, like crisis. Well, yeah. Another thing that's complicated is the fact that they haven't really shown anything of what he's done. I'm going to assume there has been no collateral damage because they didn't bring it up. They would have brought it up. They were just afraid of other people having the technology. And all the news clippings they showed in the very beginning of the movie was how Iron Man, like, brought stability between the East and West. Like, he is single-handedly giving us world peace. Yeah. So this movie really starts off the collateral damage, I guess. Yeah, even though, if I remember in Civil War, they don't bring up this incident. No, they don't. And they don't bring up the Hulk either. (laughs) Yeah, which is fine because they kind of don't acknowledge the Hulk as relevant in any later movies, like, ever. Yeah. They, you can kick that movie out of the MCU and there's literally no impact. Except General Ross. But he acts totally different in later movies. Like, it doesn't fit, right? I don't agree with that. But, anyways. Um, That's because you're Team Cap. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> because he was being perfectly fine and reasonable in Civil War okay he wasn't being a crazy asshole i think we'll talk about that in civil war okay Um, a year from now (laughs) (laughs) once we have all of the tv shows to talk about also oh god so many another thing that i thought was interesting is that the villain motivations are also very similar like between ivan and baron zemo um they both have the same line about all you have to do is like set things in motion and the heroes will take care of the rest themselves like yeah showing that they're not perfect yeah exactly and for sure and both of them are like you lose at the end even though it's not really true in this movie it's like the same idea that baron zemo does (laughs) yeah it's actually it's interesting because we would consider civil war a good movie and back when iron man 2 came out and had a weak general response There was a lot of news about how Iron Man 2 was going to be a lot different. And with Baron Zemo, we've seen a character with the same motivations and same... Yeah. We've seen Baron Zemo with the same plan, of essentially, as Ivan, as a very well-done character with a really compelling story compared to Ivan, who's very strange. And I think they could have done... Maybe it's possible that Ivan was going to be a lot different and more impressive in the original script. I would be really curious about that because... I know you say that the only reason this movie is bad is because they had to shove in all of the Avengers stuff, but with if you take out all the Avengers stuff, the movie is still not good, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, if they... the, the whole idea is that it could have been entirely different. That's that's what I mean. I wonder if, if they had taken that out, if they would have expanded more and made it better. I don't, I don't know. It would be hard to imagine. There's a lot of movies like that in Hollywood where... There are stories about that, and you'll just never know. Like, Rogue One was apparently going to be a lot different. Ant-Man was supposed to be a lot different. Even though Ant-Man was great, there was a lot of rumors going around that Ant-Man apparently was going to be the best superhero movie ever. The most amazing script that anyone's ever seen. And Ant-Man, I love it. It's great. But apparently it was going to be even better. I don't think I've seen those rumors. I just knew it was going to be different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways... I don't know what this movie could have been, but I think it had the potential to be better because Ivan could have been more interesting. Yes, he could have. And God, Hammer is the worst. Yes, he's also the worst. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about uh, as far as... I think that pretty much wraps up my thoughts for Civil War comparisons. 
Yeah. So anyways, it's so weird to compare these two movies. To compare a really early and weak movie to the movie that is like the biggest summation of all the previous movies so far. Like it has every hero in it except for Thor and Hulk. That's amazing. Yep. Which I wonder if they, if any of that was foresight or if like maybe they had some similar writers going on. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's just a very common theme in comics to have a hero out of control and the government trying to step in. Yeah, that makes sense. And by the time of Civil War, there was a lot more reason for the government to step in. And it's not just America. It's the entire world's government. And speaking of which, in Iron Man 2, it shouldn't have been just the American government. It should have been the world's government. Because he wasn't doing a lot of stuff in America. He was doing stuff in the Middle East. (laughs) Don't you think their governments would have cared? You'd think. (laughs) Yeah. Iron Man 2. A weak film. But whatever. Basically. (laughs) But whatever. (laughs) Is there any news you want to talk about? Um, The horror film. Okay, yeah. So, for those in the future who will be seeing this podcast, we're recording the first three episodes in advance before you see them. So, you're probably going to be getting this a little bit late. But the trailer for New Mutants just came out. And X or Fox's new X-Men horror story movie. And, Trey, what do you think? <laughs> uh, I think it looks really bad. <laughs> I do too. But I also don't... It looks like a generic horror story. A horror movie. And I don't like horror movies. So it looks like the kind of movie I wouldn't like. And they barely showed anything X-Men-ish. Like, no mutants. They have, like, someone on fire, apparently. But that's their power. But, like, it could have also just been something spooky. They didn't really... They didn't sell me on the X-Men part. Or anything. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it looks very typical horror movie. And it... As a superhero fan, I'm not going to see a horror movie for its horror aspects, so I don't really know what I get out of this. This might be the first X-Men movie I skip. I know, me too, and that feels so weird, especially now that we're starting our podcast. Like, I feel so weird skipping a superhero movie, but I'm so burnt out on X-Men. Even though I love Deadpool, even though Logan was great, everything with Apocalypse was just, it just hurt. I loved First Class. It gave me hope that X-Men could be good again. Then... Days of Future's Past was okay and weird. And then Apocalypse was awful. And Sansa being Phoenix just hurts. Because she wasn't good as the role. And she's going to be the focus of the next mainline X-Men movie. And I'm just so done with X-Men. So I agree with the sentiment. But I'm going to admit that further X-Men movies I will still probably go and see out of curiosity. But this one, (sighs) this whole horror, like, unrelated mutant movie... It, it's just not i don't want to say here <laughs> same here i'm probably gonna watch dark phoenix even though i'm gonna hate it and i'm not i'm probably not gonna watch this movie unless it gets amazing reviews because i don't like horror movies and i'm just so burnt out on x-men i really wish fox would just stop <laughs> i do too and especially with the fantastic four also but what i think is really funny is that i've been listening to other podcasts that talk about news and they all seem very intrigued by this trailer. Yeah, I've seen that response around also. It, it definitely is interesting because it's different. Yeah. But I don't like horror movies, so it's interesting in a negative way. I'm like, oh, this is actually a horror movie, not just 
oh, we're going to be making a super movie, superhero movie that's also a horror movie. No, it's just a straight up horror movie. And I don't like those. And I guess neither of us, since neither of us are horror fans, we're not really going to have the, we're not going to be the audience they want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see how it turns out. That'll be interesting. And I, I definitely appreciate and like that they're going in a new direction. But man, it's weird. It is indeed. So anyways, or do you have anything else to say? No, I think we just about covered it. All right. So thanks for listening. And we hope you'll tune in next time for Thor. Thor.